Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bailey is tracked down for a short loss. Shamarco Thomas. It's like a missile. It's a heat-seeking missile to the football. Charles finding someone, directing his body, and trying to run through that person. An explosive safety. For some programs, maybe it doesn't mean as much. For this Syracuse program, it means a lot. What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McAllister from AllSyracuse.com, part of the Sports Illustrated Network, with episode 24 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. I am here with Kyle F. to talk about the thrilling, the exciting, the unbelievable regular season finale between Syracuse and Pittsburgh, where Syracuse lost 31 to 14. Aye, 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 Mike. It, three it in a row. Three in a row. It was a great, it felt like a great time to be alive. We had Thanksgiving. Hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving who was listening to us. And it was feeling good, good energy into the game, senior night in the dome. It all feels good. And then what does Syracuse do? Suck. We're back in better than ever, a new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. And that, and to, to, to make matters worse, they came out on fire. Right. I mean, the first drive, they marched right down the field. They converted a couple of third downs. They converted a fourth down. Garrett Schrader was six for six. He throws a touchdown to to, um, Courtney Jackson. Sean Tucker had a couple of nice runs in there. And you're like, man, this this offense is looking pretty good. Syracuse goes up seven nothing. You're like, all right, well, well, let's see what this, you know, the the best offense in the ACC does against Syracuse's defense and Syracuse forces them into, I believe they, they actually have their first position they went for a four down. Right. And then you're like, okay, well now Syracuse has a chance to take real control of this game. And you know, they, they end up punting and say, okay, we well, can't score every possession. And, and the Pittsburgh's next two possessions after that were, were three and out three and out. So Pittsburgh, the vaunted top offense in the ACC with all of these weapons and Kenny Pickett Heisman trophy candidate and all these things that are, you know, valid and, and legitimate. And through their first three possessions, they have no first downs. Like, wow, this, this Syracuse defense really coming into play, but it was not to be Pittsburgh kind of dominated from there. 31 to 14. Um, We'll start with you, your overall thoughts on the loss. I'm just, I feel sorry for the seniors. That's what I feel is that they had a golden chance this season to do something good. The one team you expect every year to be the best and be undefeated Clemson had, I'll say it, a horrible season for their standards. They were beatable. There was no clear cut number one in the ACC that this team with the talent they had, the players going into this season, and I know we'll discuss it later. They had a chance to get to another bowl game. 
get to the second bowl game for some of these guys and feel good about themselves. And what happens? We lose 31 to 14 to Pittsburgh because we seemingly can't score at all when we want to. And they stop one part of our game and we can barely do the second part of the game when we need to most. And we can't score touchdowns and we can't do what we have to do on offense defense. And this game epitomized how our season has gone with a hot start and a very sour finish. Absolutely. My, my big takeaway, you know, I, I, I'll come up with something um, different just because, you know, for, for avoiding the repetitiveness and redundancy of, of echoing those sentiments, but well said, as far as the seniors go, um, my thought was, I think Syracuse missed an opportunity to kind of end this game very quickly by that. I mean, Syracuse scored on its first possession. As we said, they went up seven, nothing. And then Pittsburgh did absolutely nothing in its next three possessions. We know that Pittsburgh wants to avoid injuries at all costs. They left their starting running back, Abanaconda, home because he was a little bit dinged up and they just didn't want him to go out there and play and get, you know, they wanted him to rest up and get fully healthy for the ACC championship game. So if Syracuse scores on two of those three possessions and makes it 21 nothing in the first quarter, does does Pittsburgh pull its starters at that point? I mean, I yeah, think that they'd they at do. least be considering it. And so you go from a situation where, you know, you shut them down, you pounce on them early. And rather than them trying to expend a whole bunch of energy and effort, trying to claw back from a 21 nothing deficit when you've got all the momentum, they throw their backups in there and just say, all right, guys, not our day. Um you know, let's let's make sure we're healthy for the ACC championship game. I think that was a real possibility. Or even if it didn't happen right at that second, you know, could have happened at halftime if it's you know maybe twenty four to seven or twenty four to ten or something like that at halftime. Um, so I, I I think this this was a uh, blown opportunity early in that game for Syracuse, and I I think that's um, you know a little bit of the frustrating part. And then um, also for the third straight week. Despite how Pittsburgh defended Syracuse um, and, you know, the what they did was they essentially took their safeties off the field and they decided that they were going to play two extra linebackers, not play any safeties because they didn't respect Syracuse's passing attack and rightfully so. And they were going to do everything they could to take Sean Tucker away. That is exactly what happened in this game. I mean, it worked. It worked right. to perfection. It absolutely like, did. So the fact that you still only gave the ball to Sean Tucker 13 times, even with that, and he only had two catches. He had two catches for 18 yards. So he averaged nine yards a catch. Um, and his long was nine, which means both receptions were for nine yards. I think they missed an opportunity to feed him the ball, even if they couldn't give him traditional handoffs to throw some swing passes, some screens, um, you know, things like that to take advantage of the fact that they were out there with a bunch of linebackers, get him out in space one-on-one with a linebacker to the outside. And I'd like that matchup for, for Tucker. Um, I, I just think that the game plan to try to force feed the ball to Sean Tucker as much as possible was um, lacking to say the least. And so those are, are two of, of my thoughts overall uh, from the loss, but 
One of the positives from this game, and, and there were a few, um, we'll get to Syracuse's defensive performance um, in, in a little bit, was Garrett Schrader passing the football. As we said, Pittsburgh dared Syracuse to throw the ball. They took two safeties off the field and put in two extra linebackers. And there were stretches where Garrett Schrader showed that he could do that. As I said, he started six for six on the opening drive. He finished 17 for 24, 217 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions. He was sacked five times. Um, so he did have some issues with not throwing the ball away and, and taking Syracuse out of you know, potential scoring position or putting them into second or third and long situations. There's no doubt that that's an area he's going to have to work on. But he threw for more yards than Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett, the leading passer in the ACC, who's setting all sorts of records um, at Pittsburgh, the same Pittsburgh that's had Dan Marino come through its program. And he's breaking Marino's records, who's you know in the – short discussion for a potential, um, you know, as a potential Heisman candidate and finalist for the Maxwell award, all of those things. And Garrett Schrader, the guy who quote unquote, can't throw through for more yards than Kenny Pickett. did. Now, obviously that's not to say that he's a better quarterback than Kenny Pickett. The point is um, I think Garrett Schrader showed some signs with some of the way that he threw the ball and some of the passes that he made that gives you some hope that if he works all off season on accuracy and arm strength and those types of things that he can come back kind of a whole different quarterback next season. I mean, yeah, it, we said it before the game that he just hasn't been able to throw the past few weeks. He has looked horrible, awful, dreadful, basically name that word that is negative, And he's looked at, he's looked the part and he came out this week and started so hot. I mean, six for six first drive for that touchdown. A great start. 17 for 24 on the day is quite honestly very good. That is, if an NFL quarterback had that, it'd be an average date for them. But for a college guy, very strong. Only seven passes missed is I would take that. If you said he's gonna go 17 for 24 for 217 and two touchdowns, I would say we blew this game out of the water and we won by a million points. But as you said, they game plan for Tucker and they stopped Tucker. And Schrader didn't do enough at the times we needed him to most. That realistically include those five sacks. He was 17 for 29 because those are five passing plays. And slowly that number dwindles. And he started strong, as we said, six for six. And then all of a sudden, and I know we'll discuss it in a second, he just fell off during this game. It was like all of a sudden he tanked. It's tailgating season and no one does it better than Hoffman's Sausage Company. Beer bratwurst, jalapeno cheddar sausage, kibasi, and bun-length chicken sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German Franks and snappy grillers, and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells, Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he showed some signs for um, that should provide some hope for Syracuse fans moving forward in terms of what he could be, you know, next year and and, and the year after. And we got to remember, he's really only a couple of years out of high school. He's really only got, you know, 14 some odd starts or whatever in his um, college career. So there's still a lot of development left for Garrett Schrader. I think some of what he showed as a passer, some of the throws he made in this game made you think that there's potential that he really can develop as a passer. But you're absolutely right in that he started out six for six late in the second half. 
you know, I'd say fourth quarter, late third quarter, early to, to mid fourth quarter, um, he kind of got back into rhythm, but in between he really struggled and, and, um, you know, inaccurate passes, poor decisions in a couple of spots, um, holding onto the ball for too long. And, and that kind of stalled the offense with the way that Pittsburgh was, was really defending the run. So, um, you know, it is what it is from Garrett Schrader, but, um, you know, not all bad, uh, for sure. The, the other positive, uh, um, at certain stretches was Syracuse's defense. Um, I know that they gave up 31 points, but if, if you look at a little bit of context there, um, seven of those points came off of a short field due to a turnover from, from the Syracuse offense. Seven of those points were because Syracuse had Pittsburgh stopped and on a sack on a third down play that would have forced them to punt. Um, there was a grabbing of the face mask a little bit inadvertent, but still was, was that. And so that extended a Pittsburgh drive that ended up giving them seven more points, put them um, in, in scoring position at that point. So if, if you kind of look at those two plays and not to say take them away necessarily, but it kind of shows you the fact that Syracuse defensively to start the game didn't give up a first down on Pittsburgh's first three offensive possessions. They held Kenny Pickett to only 209 yards passing, which is well below his per game average. They held Pittsburgh to under four yards of carry rushing and only 334 yards of offense in totality, which is also well below their per game average. I think you know, you come away and think that the defense has shown that it can compete with dynamic offense like that. Um, and, and specifically I'm looking at a guy like Mikel Jones who had 17 total tackles, um, two tackles for loss and was ACC linebacker of the week for his performance. So, uh, I think Syracuse fans are definitely hoping that he comes back. He is the quarterback of the defense and he's just, He's just a tremendous talent and uh, had a really good game. So I think the defense certainly showed some positive things in this game. I mean, the defense definitely did. And the biggest thing for me is they did play a great game and they deserved better. That if you take away the fumble by Cooper and you take away the uh, face mask, 14 points gone from them, seven added to us, all of a sudden this game is, you know, a lot more manageable. We technically would have won 21 to 17 at that point. I mean, if you take away the two plays that we really gave them, a fumble or they went to turn hush to turn to a, turn into a touchdown. Sorry, listeners out there. Uh, a fumble that turned into a touchdown, and then the uh face mask, all of a sudden 14 points off the board. We're back in this game, we win this game. It is a huge swing there. The defense gave up 17 points. That is what I'm looking at this as. They gave up 17 points. As you said, they showed they can play with the best. And honestly, this was not their best performance. This was, in all honesty, a bang average performance for this defense. We've seen them play a lot better. We've seen them hit the quarterback more. We've seen them just in general play better than this. That if this was an average performance for them, imagine if they were in that top gear mid, mid-season when they were just mowing down offenses form. What happened then? I mean, if we had the offense to back up the defense this season, outside of Sean Tucker, we no excuses for not being a bowl team. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and those, those two plays that, that we just talked about, they were really kind of the turning points to me. Um, you know, I, I completely agree that they were, they were such a difference maker. And I think kind of made the score look a little bit more lopsided than it necessarily was that those were, were two teams that were, you know, competing with each other, pretty competitive uh, for most of that game. And, and those two, I think, made it look a little bit worse uh, than it was. But, you know, 31-14 is what the final score was. And, and that's what Syracuse has to live with and drops them to five and seven on the season, which is where I want to go next. You look back at this season overall. How do you, Kyle, view this season? You know, I, I think there's kind of a couple of perspectives. Um, one is the fact that they were one game short of bowl eligibility with three games that you lost early in the season by three points. And, but also you were four games better in the win column than the season before. So those are kind of your two factual statements, so to speak. But when you take a step back, look at the season as a whole, um, how are you viewing the 2021 season for Syracuse football? I mean, the word we're looking for is right here on the top of my tongue. It is displeased. That is the the epitome of what happened this season. Uh, listeners who were expecting a different word, that's the only word I can think of, is displeased. I mean, it, it exemplifies what we, happened, what we had happened this year. We came into it with only positives. We had a running back who tore up the NCAA this year. He finished, what, sixth? in rushing this season, I believe. Uh, so he finished sixth in that. He realistically was one of the best running backs in the NCAA. Top five in anybody who cares and matters his opinion. Uh, he's that good. And we wasted a year like that. Our greatest all-time rusher in a single season, we wasted it. And again, we had the defense. We had an offense that had positivity imagine Schrader starts the entire season and we don't have the three games of DeVito imagine if Schrader doesn't lose his arm for three games and he throws for more than 50 yards a game imagine if the O-line doesn't lose every single player every single game and they stay healthy it's one of those things where yes injuries will happen yes you'll play up and down all season but we came in knowing we'll be better, better than last season. And it just fell short. It just, every part of us fell short, not named Sean Tucker. And that's why displeased is the only way to put it, because at the end of the day, this falls on Dino for this season, not going as well as it should have that. I know we'll discuss him more in a bit again, but this is, this is sad. It's honestly sad. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of the process, they can create stones in blush pink, beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Price so they won't have to. They really do make an outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to sparkle, to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. Yeah, and uh, just for um, some clarification, so Sean Tucker finished sixth in all-purpose yards. He finished fourth 
in rushing yards. And, and that's despite having his worst statistical game in terms of yards that, that he ran for um, in the finale against Pittsburgh. He only accumulated 29 yards on 13 carries. And again, that was largely because of the way that Pittsburgh defended Sean Tucker. They were determined to take him out of the game no matter what. And they accomplished that. And, uh, you know, that if if he had had a typical game, you give him another 120, 130 yards, which is kind of around his average, um, then he would have ended up finishing second in the nation in rushing. But alas, he did not get there. So he finishes fourth officially. Um, how I view the season is, um, yeah, missed opportunities, no question. But um, I think that there is... I'll look at it from a glass half full perspective. There's enough glass glasses is half empty perspectives out there. So let me try to counter that with some positivity and some good feelings and all of that. Um, I think Syracuse set itself up for a potential foundation for being a really good team next year. Now there's some what ifs for that. Um, and we'll talk about top priorities for the off season um, as, as the wrap up to this show. So we will get to that, but um, Syracuse improves by four games, as I mentioned from, from a year ago, that's a positive. The fact that you had as many offensive linemen in and out of the lineup, it's a negative in the sense that you lacked continuity there. And I think where that showed was specifically in pass protection against Pittsburgh. Now Pittsburgh's defensive line is really good. So don't make any mistake about that, but Garrett Schrader was sacked five times. Some of that was on him. Some of it was not um, having that lack of continuity, I think hurt, hurt Syracuse. Um, that's, that was certainly part of it, but I think the fact that they were without offensive linemen at different points this year and had to plug and play guys um, shows that they are improving, building the depth on the roster at certain positions. Um, and, and I also think that you have to take into consideration with the transfer portal, the way it is, and losing 10 guys off of your roster in the middle of the season, combined with the guys that you are normally going to lose due to injury during the season. And, you know, Syracuse is down to around 60 guys, 60 to 65 guys. They're down about 20 um, from what most teams are putting out there. And, you know, they, they still battled through and, and got to five wins to, despite all of that. So I think there is some positivity. You found a running back who's going to be a superstar. And if he's not a first team All-American, he'll be a second team All-American and he'll be a preseason All-American going into next year. Um, you, you feel good about the direction of your offensive line and the improvement that it made this year and that it can take another step forward next year. You feel good about the youth that you have in the secondary with Deuce Chestnut and Rob Hanna and, and some of those guys. Justin Barron, who had some good moments this past season, your linebacking core is young and athletic. Um, you're going to have to replace your defensive line, but I think you've seen some things that you have the potential to bring a lot of these starters back. And so with another year of development, with some continuity as the head coach, um, I think there's a potential that the 2022 Syracuse team could be uh, a pretty good team. So if you're looking at it from a glass half full perspective, I think that's how you view it, that you have a quarterback that an off season of development has the potential to be dynamic. You have a superstar running back to build your offense around. You have an improving offensive line. You have uh, a really good back, say eight 
of your your defense and a defensive system that you know works. So there are some things to be positive about if if you're uh, to be hopeful about going into next season. One thing that there are mixed reviews on whether or not you're positive about this going into next season is Dino Babers coming back as the head coach. Perhaps the most divisive topic among Syracuse fans during this season was the status and the fate of um, one Dino Babers and whether or not he is going to come back or should come back. So I'll open it up to you, Kyle. The fact that we officially heard from athletic director, John Wildack, that Dino Babers is returning as head coach for the 2022 season, your reaction to that news. My reaction is I'm not surprised he's come back. I think he earned it after the improvement this team has had again, if they say win those three games, they lost by, I believe, a field goal piece, we're in a bowl game. That's how the positive look at it is realistically, this team was a bowl game team that with some rough breaks here or there fell out of bowl contention. And so I'm not shocked he's back. Um, but I will say Dino is now on a, a timer. He's on a one-year timer that if this time next year we are not in a bowl game, Dino's gone. I think that is the consensus here is if we are not in a bowl game next year with the team we have, the players returning that we have again, we should be a bowl team next year. Obviously, this is this is assuming that Tucker and Chestnut and every other guy does not leave us to transfer. I know I think we are the top team in terms of transfers out in the portal this right currently. With 10. They, they were before the season ended, but now that the season has ended and there's been a flurry of activity, Syracuse is one of the top, but I don't think they're in first place anymore. But there's been a hundred and some odd players that entered the portal on the Monday after the season ended. So I don't know what the current numbers are, but anyway. So we're, we're, we're regardless, we are up right there up in there. terms of yes. uh, leaving people, uh, people leaving us. Um, and Assuming that we don't have more guys leave us in the, the core group of players, the Sean Tuckers, the Deuce Chestnuts, the Mikel Jones is hopefully, if they don't leave us, then this team is a bold team. And if we do not reach at bare minimum six wins next season, Dino's head's on a chopping block. And if you don't believe that, I'm sorry. I don't know what you're watching. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I'll, here's here's my reaction. I think given some of those things that I just mentioned about the foundation um, and building around Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker next year, I think all of that is why giving Dino Babers another season, I know that there's a lot of people that think that you should just move on right now, but um, I'm going to throw this out there. Syracuse has not had um, a lot of superstar NFL players recently, right? They've had some players that have made the NFL and they're, they're contributing. And, you know, Andre Sisko's on a team and Trill is on a team and Melifonwu is on a team and, you know, some others. But um, there's really only one star, quote unquote, that's in the NFL that's a Syracuse guy. And that's Chandler Jones. And even though Chandler Jones is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, do you really hear his name on a national scale all that much? Uh, when people talk about the best linebackers in the NFL and the best pass rushing edge rushers in the NFL, even though he's up there, 
he's not discussed nearly as much as, you know, guys like Khalil Mack and Von Miller, and, and they have larger names and followings and brands. But so Chandler Jones is basically your biggest name in the sport right now. If you were to take a guy like Sean Tucker and he goes to the NFL and becomes a superstar running back in the NFL, what that can do for Syracuse for the next eight to 10 years, that can mean so much, whether it's Dino Baber staff that's here or another staff that's here um, in terms of recruiting, in terms of you know brand recognition. Um, it could mean that some kid grows up as um, a fan or pays more attention to Syracuse because they're a Sean Tucker fan. I mean, Sean Tucker's tweets get reactions from Virginia fans and Clemson fans and, you know, all these there's BYU fans. I've seen chime in on it. Michigan fans. I mean, it's it's just random fan bases that have no business paying attention to Syracuse running back. They are commenting and looking forward to these and et cetera. So the fact that you could have a. Sunday night football where the players announce themselves as the starting lineup, right? They, they do that where they go through the players and they say, you know, um, Chandler Jones, Syracuse, you could have Sean Tucker, Syracuse, or you could have Sean Tucker, Wisconsin. I mean, that makes a difference in, in terms of what, how it helps your program, having a kid go into Madden and playing as their favorite team where Sean Tucker is a starting running back and seeing Sean Tucker with college Syracuse next to it. That matters too, as dumb as that sounds. So I think keeping Sean Tucker, keeping that continuity and keeping that stability with him, hopefully a year of development from Garrett Schrader. And if not, I've heard good things about Justin Lamson and how he's developing behind the scenes. So perhaps you've got an option with him as your number two next year. If Schrader struggles, um, I think that's all of that is why keeping Dino apart from whether or not you think he's a great coach, not a good coach, etc. Giving Dino another year to see if he can win with that group with Sean Tucker as the focal point, making sure you're keeping Sean Tucker. That's why I think, um, it was a move that I certainly understand. It's a move that I would have made. I would give him another year. And then, you know, we'll see how it plays out. If they don't win a bowl game next year, they don't get to a bowl game, I should say, next year. I don't think he's back in 2023. If they do, he probably is. So we'll see how it plays out. They've got a difficult schedule next year with uh, Purdue and Notre Dame in the non-conference. We'll see how that works out. But, um, you know, that's not something that really surprised me and uh, I think gives you some potential hope and continuity going into next season. But just because Dino was retained does not mean that everything is staying exactly the same. They did make some coaching changes. They lost defensive line coach, Vince Reynolds. They lost tight ends coach, Reno free and offensive coordinator, Sterling Gilbert. Now Sterling Gilbert is, has been the play caller for Syracuse for the last two seasons. There's been a lot of fans that were, not quite happy with some of the play calling decisions for Syracuse football. The last two seasons, I've been critical of it as well. Um, one of the top things that we've discussed this year is not giving Sean Tucker the ball enough, but also not throwing the ball to the tight end. But the question is, 
with the retention of Sean Tucker being as important as it is, what are his feelings about losing the offensive coordinator that was in charge of the offense that just helped you set the single season rushing record at your respective school? So Kyle, how does Sean Tucker feel about this? Well, Mike, per Sean Tucker uh, himself, by the way, may, may I add, we lost our last game, Pitt 31, SYR 14. I'm not pleased with the outcome of the game or the play calling. I wanted to do so much more, but I don't call the plays. Good luck to all the seniors moving on. Now, if I'm going to take that and run with it a little bit, I don't think he liked Gilbert's play calling if I'm taking a shot in the dark in general. Uh, you know, best guess he didn't like the guy. I feel like I'm not far off on that one. No, I think you're pretty spot on. And and again, so I think what this means is that Sean Tucker was pleased with the decision to move on from Scream Gilbert. I think uh, that could be said. Yeah. So it um we haven't heard anything uh, that would suggest that his position coach, Mike Lynch, is going to be gone. We know that uh, Sean Tucker and the other running backs were at the Lynch's house um, at, on Thanksgiving, for Thanksgiving. Um, I believe Mike Lynch's wife shared a picture of that on social media. Um, and everything we've heard about Sean Tucker is that he loves his teammates. Uh, big fan of Dino Babers. So, yeah, obviously who they hire as the offensive coordinator is going to be important. But are you going to find any offensive coordinator across the country that isn't going to be excited to call plays for Sean Tucker? I mean, perhaps other than Sterling Gilbert, um, you know, is there is there going to be someone that's going to come in, whether it's a, a young up and comer, whether it's, you know, a proven guy, whoever it is, someone with a connection to Dino, um, it's going to come in and say, yeah, you know, that's that's something I can work with. Let's let's figure out this passing game because I know that that running game is going to be something that's that's going to help us put up a lot of points and a lot of yards. So um, I think that that hire will certainly be important um, and and will have an impact on Sean Tucker. But, uh, yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think after reading that tweet that 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 was simply a sign off of of that coaching change. Um as far as the other coaching changes go, you know, Coach Reynolds, it was a bit of a surprise because I thought the defensive line for most of the season was pretty good. You know, Syracuse was was in the the top twenty in in sacks. Uh, they were in the top ten for most of the season. They they tailed off a little bit towards the end of the season, but uh, you know, Vince Reynolds was also not um, when he came to Syracuse. He came with Dino Babers in in twenty sixteen when when Dino came. He was not. Um, brought in as a three, three, five defensive line coach. So you wonder if that's part of it. Um, Reno free as, as the tight ends coach, you know, I, I don't know if there was something else going on, but it's hard to evaluate the tight ends when the Syracuse never throws to them. So maybe they didn't block well enough. I, I, I don't know, but um, certainly can't complain about their inability to catch the ball because we, we just don't know if they could do that or not. Um, so, you know, it's, it's natural. It's normal. I think from, from a staff perspective, they did announce officially that offensive line coach Mike Schmidt and defensive coordinator, Tony white are both going to be back. Um, officially we're still waiting on word on the rest of the coaches, but I think most of those guys at least will be back, um, which is a good thing, especially um, you look at a guy like Nick Monroe, who's very good on the recruiting trail, but so far, those are the three coaching changes. I do think they'll bring in a special teams coordinator, 
Um, Kyle, the kicking guru, will be very happy about that one. Oh, big time, um, big time, big time, big time. So, and and speaking of kicking, by the way, Andre Schmidt is not going to be back at Syracuse next season. Um, he participated in uh, senior walkthroughs and in uh, senior walk and, and all of that. So um, it's it's been announced that he's not going to be returning to Syracuse for next season. So Syracuse will be in the market for a kicker. Perhaps they use a transfer portal for that. But that kind of segues into where I want to wrap this episode up, which is the top priority in the off season. That's, and I'll start with you, Kyle, your top priority for Syracuse football, what they have to do this off season. So I, I have a list here of things I, I've thought about in terms of top priorities. There's a bunch that you'd say, yes, we need to do this. Like, yes, we need to get healthy. That's a given. Yes. We need to hire a good offensive coordinator, a good special teams coach, all of these things. But the number one thing is, and Dino has said he doesn't like it, and this might be a strange out there pick for number one, but Dino has to invest in the transfer portal. Dino has to look at it and say, this is a tool that everybody else in college is using that I need to use more often because Schrader was a home run on a transfer portal guy. You need to use it more to get players like him. I mean, we let Taj Harris walk through our top receiver to the season left us midseason. We should be able to get guys like Taj Harris to come in here and play for us. We need to be open to them coming to play for us. But it feels like we've been closed off for the last few years. So you need to open up the doors more, let these guys in, bring them in, because Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader need more help. That is the biggest thing. The defense is awesome. Get some more D-line guys. That would be awesome. Get a kicker, as you said, as Schmidt is leaving. But you need to lock down the offensive weapon base. And there's going to be guys in that transfer portal who I know. There's a bunch of Juco guys, a bunch of low D3, D2 guys who you could get that'll be really good for this team who are really talented, who do want to come play for a, a Power 5 school. And you can get them. But you have to invest in the transfer portal, Dino. You can't just say, oh, I don't like it. I'm not going to use it. No, no, no. You need to now because you have guys leaving every 10 seconds out the Syracuse door. They're leaving the snow and going to play where Taj is in, what is it? Uh, Kentucky, Ole Miss, one of them south somewhere. He's going south. He's going to warm weather. And they're all leaving Syracuse to go to play nicer places, the schools that actually care about them and want them to do well. And we need to utilize that. Yes, Schrader and Tucker need to both stay and get better this offseason. But number one priority is use the transfer portal for our benefit instead of our, our downfall. So I've got I've got two priorities. Um, my my first is that I, I do agree with you. I think they need to hit the transfer portal. I think defensive line might be the most important position. You're losing all three starters from this past year's team. You're going to have a new defensive line coach. So <clears throat> whatever his teaching methods are, his technique is, et cetera. I think using the portal to, to solidify your defensive line depth, I think get some guys in there that fit the three, three, five and um, can meld with whoever the new defensive line coach is. I think that would be uh, a good decision there, but my top priorities are twofold. One, you need to make sure that you keep Sean Tucker, whatever you can do to keep him. And, and I talked about that a little bit with the Dino Babers retention, but um, now that that part's official, um, I don't have any indication that he's leaving. Um, I'd be a little bit surprised if he did, to be honest with you. Um, but after speaking with, with a few different sources on that, um, 
nothing would be out of the realm of possibility. However, you know, someone gets in his ear, et cetera. But um, I think whatever you can do to keep him. And I think that means constant communication from the coaching staff. When you get the new offensive coordinator um, hired, having that person have conversations with Sean Tucker about the plan and how they're going to keep him as a focal point of the offense and all of those things to make sure that he's in a loop on all that understands what the plan is. So he doesn't feel like he's left out and decides he wants to leave at that point. And then number two, I've said this in previous episodes, it's getting Garrett Schrader with a quarterback guru to work the entire offseason, the spring, the summer, um, even the winter before spring, spring ball starts, and working strictly on his throwing motion, his mechanics, to try to improve his accuracy and his throwing power. Because if you can even get him up to an average run-of-the-mill power five passer of the football with the way that he can use his legs combined with Sean Tucker as a threat, that just makes the offense so much more versatile, so much more well-balanced and prevents teams from um, pre- it prevents teams from stacking the box and doing what Pittsburgh did to take Sean Tucker away. Teams are still going to try to do that, but this get, that gives you the opportunity to make them pay for doing that. So those are the top two things if I'm Syracuse uh, that I'm doing this offseason. But Listen, we're, we're going to see if we can do a couple episodes here and there during the offseason when some big stuff happens. But um, that's going to do it for episode 24 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. But I want to thank all of our loyal listeners out there for taking this journey with us during this season. We had a lot of fun doing it. We hope that you enjoyed it as well. Um, it, it was a ton of fun. I hope we can do it again next year. For Kyle LF, I'm Mike McAllister, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.